Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of CleoCast. My name is Matt. And I am RC. And I'm proving you can do podcasting with your eyes closed. I was wondering why they were closed. Yeah. It helps that you're not the one who has to press the buttons on the computer to make the recording start. Yeah, no, I, I just sit over in the corner. Um, so how are you? I'm okay. How are you? I am doing okay. Life is weird. Uh, we're now at the point of... Uh, you know, the seasons where seasonal depression crawls slowly back into everyone's life. But luckily it's flannel season too, so... It is flannel season. Evens things out a little bit. Yeah. Anyway, you ready for the Chiefs game in Germany? Yeah, I think so. I mean, after they played the Broncos, it wasn't too good, so I'm, I'm kind of worried we're just going to get absolutely curb-stomped by the Dolphins, but I don't think that's going to happen. I uh, I ran into a guy uh, I think yesterday who uh, I was talking to on the phone with, and uh, he was just like, oh, "I'm going to be out of the country," and I was like, you know, "Going on a vacation?" He's like, "I'm going to Germany." I was like, "Are you going for the cheese game?" He's just like, "Yes, I am." And I'm just like, "All right, this is, I guess, people who have the means in Kansas City that are uh, able to are going to this game." Trust me, I've looked at tickets because I've thought like, "Oh, that'd be a fun way." Okay, tickets are like a thousand dollars. Okay, yeah, maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's it, just... Maybe if the podcast makes money, we could talk about doing that, but yeah, no thanks. No, this podcast, no. Uh, but it's at 8 in the morning for those interested. I know my neighbors are doing a outdoor brunch to watch it. Well, that's breakfast, actually. And everyone's gonna yeah, like. I think that is just fully eat, breakfast. Yes. Yeah, so uh, my neighbor bought like one of those like propane like griddle things, not like like the Blackstones, but not Blackstone branded, like a off brand of Blackstone. And he's just like, I'm gonna make breakfast, and uh, it, it's just weird. Also, uh, my brother is bringing a propane like heater, and it's just like, I this is this is so weird. To sit in the driveway. Yeah, just to, to sit in the driveway and watch the Chiefs game was going to be so cold. I'm probably going to sit uh, in my house and watch it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to sit outside. I guess you guys do like a neighborhood thing, but Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm I'm if I even end up waking up for it, I think I'm I might be my, like my family might be busy, so I might just sleep in and watch it with them at 3 recorded and just like not look at the internet at all. You cannot do that. You're going to open up Twitter and see exactly <laughs> what happened and like the first tweet you're going to see is just like the uh, Patrick Mahomes shattered like in quarter 2. Dolphins score 100 points in blowout. <laughs> the Chiefs man just scored negative points somehow. <laughs> They just decided uh, to hold the Super Bowl next week, and it's like, yeah, no, we just—it's Dolphins, Eagles, guys. Like, we're just calling it. We don't need to make everyone else play. Yeah, we successfully talked about sports for the first like five minutes of the episode again. Yeah, I mean that—that's just par for the course. I mean, if you aren't used to that at this point, I mean, why? Are, like, look, the Cleocast is a Midwest podcast, and in doing so, you get sports. We are future middle-aged Midwestern men. Yeah. Sports must be talked about. Why don't you tell the people what you're drinking? Speaking of middle-aged Midwest, yeah, middle-aged Midwestern man, jeez. Yeah, good one. Yeah, I, I, that's apparently a tongue twister. Middle-aged Midwestern men. Yeah. I'm drinking a Miller Lite. Yeah. Yeah. It's the champagne of beers. That's high life. Oh. It's a very fine beer. 
It is a fine Pilsner beer. A fine Pilsner Also, no, I'm going to be a problem after like 15 to 30 of these. Yeah. Uh, You know what they say. Two beers, you have a problem. 15 beers, everyone else has a problem. Yeah. That's why I am banned from the Children's Museum. Yeah. Anyway, we actually have a topic we wanted to talk about in this episode. This is just going to be a rambling one. Yeah, um, we do. Thank you for listening to the rambling uh, yeah. to get to the actual topic. So, how do you guys feel about your town or city owning your local grocery store? Because there's some towns that have attempted to do it, and there's been a little bit of buzz after uh, Mayor of Chicago Brandon Johnson floated the idea to doing that to uh, relieve food deserts in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Now, you might think that this has basically never been done, or whenever it's done, it obviously fails. It's like some sort of like Soviet Union-style uh, you know, grocery store where you only have one choice, where they only sell you know, one thing of Tide. But we already have a lot of stores like that who only sell one like item of one thing across the country, and that's called Dollar General. Yeah, Dollar General specifically only usually carries one version of one product yeah. in all of their stores. Also, don't carry fresh produce most of the time. So, if you're, for example, a small town in Kansas and you have a Dollar General and no other grocery store, your choices are Dollar General or drive to the closest area that is able to support a Walmart or a different grocery store. And, and dear listeners, if you've ever been in a Dollar General, uh, it it is not a grocery store. They have, like, cans of stuff and, like, a frozen food section, and that's it. Yeah. If you want to get vegetables and stuff... Don't go to Dollar General. It's basically like trying to shop for groceries at a gas station. Yeah. does not work. And a lot of American small and rural communities basically only have the option of Dollar General. Yeah, it's this insidious thing where they realize they operate at a much lower margin so they can come in and uh, effectively kill any small business that exists. They're almost worse than Walmart in that regard. Yeah, because Walmart was able to do it for medium-sized American towns, but the the size that Walmart scaled up to resulted in uh, you know Walmart only being able to go to areas that can support that. But if you're a town of a thousand people, you're not getting a Walmart, but you can get a Dollar General, and that made Dollar General the largest retailer in the United States. Yeah, it's like the Virginia creeper of uh, small towns. Where yeah. it's like it'll just grow, it'll just come in and. It's not a like coincidence that when you're driving through like small town anywhere, there's a Dollar General. It's by design. They know that they could do it. Yeah, which makes them the largest retailer in the United States. Which also because they are that they're able to specifically uh, ask manufacturers to make smaller products or products different, specifically for Dollar General. Mm-hmm. And which means that they're able to when they already operate at a higher margin uh, when you buy a good there like if you're buying say like a thing of tide for doing laundry it would be cheaper per ounce at walmart which i'd just like to point out if you're a free market guy um there is not very much free market about one business owning the the entire market like as much as you like might limit like you know soviet command economies this is a soviet command economy business but owned by some dudes who own Dollar General, not 
with, with like no public input, you know, I can't go vote for the you know CEO of my local Dollar General branch. I have no say. Yeah. And this gets to the person that we are going to uh, make the uh, antagonist of this episode, and it is this Reason article. Uh, Reason, free minds, and free markets. Uh, we already know where this is going. Uh, this article is titled, Government Failure. Government-run grocery store is predictably losing money. The folly of government-run grocery stores is sadly not a historical relic like the USSR. Uh, by someone, we're not going to say his name. We'll link it though. Yeah, we're going to link the article. You, you, you can we're going to read the article, but we're not going to tell you who it's by. So you yeah, click the link. So technically, we're not. I mean, we're calling this guy out, but like. yeah. Chicago city government is infamous, infamously corrupt and unable to provide basic services, unlike like education, public safety, consistently. But Mayor Brandon Johnson is pushing for the city to try running a grocery store. All right, are we going to try and unpack this one, or are we just going to keep rolling? I feel like we got to make it through the next paragraph, and then we'll we'll just okay. uh, start. It wouldn't be the first government-run grocery store, not even the first one in the United States. For some context, what Chicago is planning, the Wall Street Journal dispatched a reporter to check out a municipal-owned grocery store in Erie, Kansas, opened in 2021. How's it going there? Uh, not great. We will get to that. So, let's unpack this a little bit. Major cities obviously have its own problems. Um, but education, Chicago has a very strong teachers union and is able to provide like at least like better education than a lot of other major American cities. And this actually, this does actually just the whole education angle. I don't know if the author, this knows this or not, but this does actually get into the whole crux of the point of why Erie, Kansas did this later, which we'll mention, but education is a big factor in all of this that's going on. Yeah. So back to the article. By the way, also just how's it going there? Uh, not great. I hate that kind of writing. It's yeah. just so like, ugh. feels like a blog. Yeah, I mean, this, like, this might actually be a blog. To be completely honest, I don't, I don't know anything about. I reason. think it is a blog, but it. I think this is like an opinion piece, but he's writing it as if he's talking to you, which I get from an opinion article thing. But he writes like an asshole. So yeah. Erie Market. This is the article. Erie Market, which the city took over in 2021, is losing money every month amid stiff competition from a Walmart 15 miles away and a Dollar General across the street. Report the Reports the journal's Joe Barrett. Erie Market posted a single profitable month during 2022 and lost $132,000. Okay. Uh, let's just keep going. Maybe... Erie's erstwhile government grocers did not realize that, unlike other government services, grocery stores are subject to competition. Bummer. Bummer is unnecessary. Um, it's like it's like he's like a catty teenager. It's just yeah. like, oh, bummer. Stacy didn't put on the right makeup. Oh, ouch. It's like, ugh, but, I hate this kind of right. But city officials, quote, aren't giving up, they tell the journal. Meanwhile, the store's manager says the goal is to only lose $100,000 this year. In other words, maybe Erie should give up. All right, we're going to get into it now. No. So, starting from the beginning of this, um, when the open quote about Erie Market began, um, Walmart, 15 miles away, I feel like you're under you're underestimating how far 15 miles away is for an errand. 
mm-hmm. to run for groceries, especially if you know you are to uh, you know forget that uh, oh you know all of us have done it. We've forgotten an item at the grocery store. And we need to we go back and get it. Well, fifteen minutes is well fifteen miles is an ex- pretty long way to go. In all honesty. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're trying to get the Google Maps up now of, of the Well, I, I had looked this it, up earlier. Is it in Chanute? I think so. I mean, it's not 100% clear, but it is, yes, it is 17 a, miles away in Chanute. Yeah, which is, a, a according to Google Maps right now, is a 22-minute drive. So mm-hmm. you're 22 minutes. So all around, you're over 40 minutes round trip to the Walmart Supercenter. Uh, and if you forget something, you're another 40 minutes down. Or you do your, like probably monthly grocery trip and oh shoot the the corn went bad yeah well now i gotta drive 40 minutes to get corn or just not have corn like it again it sounds like not that much to somebody from chicago where you're not actually used to having a commute that long yeah but it gets really annoying like there's a reason 40 minutes round trip is is for the 15 mile away Walmart, uh, which is actually 17 miles according to our Google Maps lookup. Yeah, which um, is which is like, remember, people have jobs. Not everyone's like an article writer for reason. People like get home from work and you know want to cook, and oh shoot, now I have to spend 40 minutes in a car after work going to the grocery store. It's not fun. It, it's not something to just brush over. It's not exactly yeah. like down the block. And what we've already gone over is Dollar General isn't. Exactly a grocery store either, because if I want to like buy like, you know, once again, corn or maybe some like maybe like a like a bagged salad, Dollar General is not going to have that. Well, Again, it's like saying that Quick Trip is in competition with Hy-Vee. It's like, yeah, they technically sell food and yeah, they like sell like some products that overlap, but they're really not the same like thing thing like like Dollar General sells like SpaghettiOs and like chicken noodle soup and like candy and stuff but it, it it's not a grocery store it all you know it's just like a random things you might like really shitty pins and like tupperware and stuff yeah so there we go we took apart that now a single profitable month during 2022 well it's only a year into operating and also they're operating it as a city good yeah. This is a public service, which you mentioned later on in the article, that government services are subject to competition. Well, but government services can ignore competition because, like, there might be competition for, like, water, but, like, no one's trying to, like, put my, like, municipal water company or, like, wastewater management that ran by our county into, you know, public or, like, into private, like, rates. They're not yeah. trying to just, like, oh, you're going to pay market rate for water because it's ran as a public good. And the one thing that I know you want to talk about is there's basically no other option other than for Erie to run this. But we'll get into that later. Yeah, we can frame that which with is, the rest of the argument. Which is why them give not aren't giving up is an honorable thing and also probably the best thing Erie can do for its future. I just you you can tell in other words maybe Erie should give up. You can tell this man is operating fully yeah. in Chicago. My I'm in a city of 9 million people brain. Like the, this I mean, is fully not comprehending that this is a town of like maybe a thousand people. Yeah, and and I mean like Erie's not giving up on its community by doing this. 
And again, this is a the voters like I think it gets into it later. We're, we're maybe jumping the shark a little okay. bit because we're not even halfway through. But yeah, people did vote on this, so it is like a community okay. thing. So back to the article. To be sure, running a grocery store is tough. Low margin business with tons of competition. There is nothing shameful about a brand new business losing money in that environment, unless that money happens among the taxpayers, many of whom probably aren't even using the government-run store. Okay. Chicago brain. They, they have Chicago brain. They, that's like the only closest option, guys. Yeah. Anyway, tons right. of competition. Once again, that's making a lot of assumptions. There's no competition, guys. That, that's getting the, the, into it later. But this this man. Just, okay. okay. All right. In Chicago's. In Chicago, officials envision a city-owned grocery store as a way to address food deserts in neighborhoods where privately owned stores have closed and moved away. Rather than trying and inevitably failing to duplicate those services at the public expense, Johnson instead should instead listen to why the likes of Walmart and Safeway have bailed. Grocery operators have pointed to crime and homelessness as reasons why they've needed to invest in more security, driving up costs, Chicago Sun-Times reported earlier this year. Grocery store claims, grocery store chains don't have some anti-Chicago bias. If the people in charge of the city made those neighborhoods safe and economical places to do business, groceries would be plentiful as they are anywhere else in America. Reducing Chicago's high crime rate would surely help, though that's admittedly a long-term project. There is something city officials could do almost overnight, reduce Chicago's commercial property tax rates which are some of the highest in the country, or the city's high sales taxes, which incentivize consumers, the ones who can anyway, do their shopping outside of the city. So this is the crux of the argument is, no, we shouldn't do this thing that works. We should instead lower taxes. Yeah. It's just a libertarian argument of assuming everything exists in a perfect free market vacuum, and therefore if we just like make nobody have tax, then we live in utopia. And it's like, yeah. you you realize that humans hoard wealth, right? Yeah. Like it, it trickle down economics doesn't work, and that the best way for actually like attempting to redistribute, you know, funds for the good of almost all of society is handing it to at least a well managed government. Or like just the, the if the people in the charge of the city made those neighborhoods safe and economical places to do business, it's like. Maybe having like food available in the neighborhood at like a reasonable cost that isn't gonna like disappear when Walmart decides they need to fire six thousand people to make their line go up. Maybe that's a way to make that neighborhood more safe. Because again, it's not that grocery stores don't have some anti Chicago bias, it's just that corporate culture does not like entail investing in community anymore. Yeah, and also, I mean, you need to, that's addressing economic uh, factors of uh, why there's some neighborhoods, especially in American cities, that are inherently poor. And that roots back to, I mean, the uh, place where a lot of these people retreated to, which is outside the city of Chicago, which, you know, drained the, uh, like, tax base and economic base of every almost every major American city. People fled to suburbs, but we're not going to get into that at this point. Um, we're like chomping at the bit to get into it, but we, we there's a whole other section to this thing we're going to do. So yeah. if we keep cutting ourselves off, we will get back to it. Okay. <laughs> at best, a government-run grocery store is merely addressing the symptoms, not the underlying problems plaguing Chicago, and it seems unlikely to improve the symptoms for that matter. Now, okay, what happens when you're okay when you're sick? You usually like 
combat the symptoms, right? Yeah. That that's how you get. Also, what are the symptoms? Is it like the crime? The underlying problems plaguing Chicago is, is it just like wow, the crime's bad, and having people would, be able to afford food would not solve crime at all. Like, isn't the underlying problem the fact that there's people who can't af- like get food without having to also drive 15 miles outside of their neighborhood in Chicago? Most of the crime that he's like reporting is probably just people not having opportunity and like making baby formula not seventy dollars a carton would probably help people to be able to you know have money to spend on other things like it's just like it does address the symptoms which helps like cure it like i don't know it's just (laughs) all right as reasons nick gillespie pointed out last month this is open quote from uh this guy this is not progress it's decline and it's epically confused scale If the wide sweep of the past century or so made anything clear, it's that governments at all levels really do not need to be involved in the provision of basic goods and services, whether we're talking about food, airlines, utility, communication, garbage hauling, healthcare, taxis, or even a post office. When the internet rage, when's the last time you actually visited that museum of dead letters? Uh, Last week, actually, in my case, um, we don't even need the government to get into space anymore. Yet, Chicago's government needs to get in the grocery biz? Question mark, end quote. Okay. Um, let's see. The last time I visited... When was the last time you visited the post office? I visited it two days ago. Last week. Yeah. Uh, you don't even need the government to get into space anymore. SpaceX would not exist without the government. SpaceX is entirely funded by the government. That's the only way they make money. They're they're operating no differently than every other space like launch system we've ever had. SpaceX makes the rocket, but NASA pays for it and operates it. Same with the space shuttle. That was a, uh, I think Boeing helped make that along with like Rockwell, uh, the you know Saturn V. That was Grumman. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah, private companies make it. That's how it works. But we've always had the government involved. Uh, let's see. Uh, healthcare. Do you, do you want to talk about um, every American on uh, currently uh, Medicare, who which is every person like what over the age of sixty five? So utilities. Where on in the entire country is the like private utilities? Because I think Texas, you're allowed to buy it from different companies, but it's still not like private. Like Jim doesn't own like a coal plant that he sells you electricity for. Like th- th- this is just like, and it's also like here. Let's. You know, as a reporter at Reason, I'm going to cite another reporter at Reason who's not actually citing any sources. He's just saying an opinion, but he writes for Reason, which is the article I'm also, like, writing for. It's like, wow, really great circular Also, communications, there used to be, uh, you might have heard of the company called Bell. Uh, Bell was a actual monopoly. They basically domineered the telephone market. And uh, eventually the United States government, because Bell was basically fixing the price because they had a monopoly, they had to be stopped by antitrust laws by the federal government be broken up, which allowed the free market to be able to start bursting into telecommunications the way that they did. Um, So, I mean... Also, garbage hauling. Uh, Where we live, we have different garbage companies. I had one that was a, you know, glorious private company that did not pick up the trash for two months despite us paying the money to do so. And we would call them and say, hi, you didn't pick up the trash. They'd say, sorry, we're sending a truck specifically to your house the next day to pick up the trash. 
And then that didn't show up. And we're like, hey, the truck you sent um, did not show up. Can you send another one? And they're like, hi, yes, we'll send one tomorrow. We're very sorry. Also, you need to pay us money for this now. And we're like, hi, yeah, we, we've been paying trash. You have not picked up <laughs> trash for two months. <laughs> and they'd be like, oh, sorry. Yeah, we're just, uh, yeah, no, that, that was, and then we switched trash providers. And you know what? My parents who live in a, you know, community with a government-run trash service, they have never missed the trash pickup once. It's as soon as we moved to a place without a government run where it's a private company that we started having issues. We have never had issues with the city run one. I remember when I also used to live in that same community where they have a government run trash and it was literally at the exact time on the exact day constantly. Mm -hmm. And it is wild how that was the case. And like now if you live in an area where you know private pickup, if just like, you know, you never know if like well, this trash get picked up at 7 a.m. or like at like 11 p.m. You never know when the truck's gonna run by. But I knew in our our old house in that area in that community, it was like at like 11:15 every Tuesday, like on the dot. Yeah, it, it's okay. There's like a problem that people have with like, well, of course, private businesses run it better, and it's like in some cases that can be true, but private businesses you always have the layer of they have to make money on top of it mm -hmm. so like the city can run trash pickup they charge you money all they have to do is break even because you're not going to shut down the trash service you know they're government funded so if they have a little bit of an overrun you just charge a little bit more tax whatever but with the private company they have to do the exact same service that the city run one does while also making a profit so they have yep. to either cut corners somewhere or charge you more money because they can't provide the exact same service that the city already does breaking even because they have to make money off of it. Which right? is something that you can apply to, you know, small towns and also uh, food deserts in major cities is mm -hmm. if the city is running something at cost, the cost savings can be passed on to the people in the community yeah. and you don't have to make a profit. You just have to break even, yeah, which, is, which, is something that, um, which is something Erie is probably working towards. Yeah. Um, anyway, back to the article. I'm going to wrap it up. Let's just finish it out. Yeah, I wish we'd get done with this guy. All right. So uh, back to the article. The most famous failure of government-run grocery stores comes from, naturally, the Soviet Union, where basic consumer necessities were often in short supply. Soviet leader Boris Yeltsin's 1989 visit to a Texas supermarket, where he was astonished by the variety and supply of goods on offer, has been accredited with a significant role in the downfall of communism in Russia. But what's happening in Erie, Kansas, and what could happen at a larger scale in Chicago, is a useful reminder that the folly of government-run grocery stores is sadly not a historical relic like the USSR. Okay, well, okay. So, company, there's still private companies producing a large amount of goods. Mm -hmm. It's not like there's only one version of Texas toast in the grocery store. The grocery store in Erie can have all the different brands from great value or best choice all the way up to the name brand version. That's still an option. They're just buying it and then selling it in a way that the grocery store will break even or make a little bit of profit instead of being like Dollar General, which is the largest American retailer because they make such great profit. Yeah, they're they're conflating this with the USSR as, ah, oh, the government's running a grocery store. But it's like, yeah, but the, the government in the USSR ran like everything. That's the whole point. Erie, Kansas does not make its own like bread. Erie, They're Kansas does not bread from a wholesale distributor like every other grocery store on the planet does. Erie, Kansas isn't run the government. Yeah, it's like they're not like related at all because like in the USSR, if you had like a snafu and the factory accidentally produced like 
10% less toothbrushes than normal. Oh, no. Like, you would be, have a shortage also, of toothbrushes. But Erie's just buying from this. Like, it, they're, they're, yeah, it's and, not like a communist thing. And, and also, the Soviet Union had an inherent problem where they basically never allowed statistics to go down. Uh, you had to either lie saying you were producing enough or produce enough and in a lot of situations people were just lying saying they were producing numbers that were producing which was causing the shortages which was why people like it basically just slithered down the line where you know like the factory says to produce 10,000 toothbrushes they only produce 9,000 but there's a thousand people in somewhere in Soviet Russia who got their ration card for an extra toothbrush and there's a shortage in that because yeah. their toothbrush wasn't actually produced. This is a libertarian website I figured out because yeah. the recommended podcasts uh, are should libertarians support school choice? Marcos Falcone, can a libertarian still win in Argentina? And is porn too pervasive? <laughs> it's like, yeah. Man, okay. it, it, do you think that the libertarian thing like this libertarian blog understands like piranists. Well, well, I don't, I don't think I understand. Piranists. I, I, I don't either, but like, I want to see if them att- attempt to tackle it. Um, well, okay. Yeah. Moving on. So yeah. he cited, if you'll remember earlier on a wall street journal article, which yeah. he quoted for two lines. We pointed it out. Now, how about we read that Wall Street Journal article and see what it says about yeah. this eerie? Because remember, everything he's doing in the other article is just an opinion piece over this Wall Street Journal article. So why don't we read it and form our own opinions? All so right. Chicago is losing supermarkets. Does a small Kansas town have the answer? In cities with so-called food deserts, local governments consider taking charge of grocery stores by Joe Barrett of the Wall Street Journal. And this article came out like a week ago which is why it's like Mm -hmm. suddenly we're making an episode over it. Uh, Erie, Kansas, as Chicago studies whether to become the first big city to open a municipally owned grocery store, it will be looking to places like this city of 1,000 people for tips on how to do it. At the moment, things aren't going especially well. Erie Market, which the city took over in 2021, is losing money almost every month amid stiff competition from a Walmart 15 miles away and a Dollar General across the street. The store has slashed prices, cleared the shelves of expired items, and put in a salad bar to try to bring more people through the door. But leaders aren't giving up. Quote, without a grocery store, what are we going to do? It would kill this small town, and it's hard enough to keep it alive as is, end quote, said Erie City Council member Jason Thompson, a Republican who owns a trash hauling business. Oh, wow, look. Hey, reason guy. There's a guy who owns a trash company that isn't a city municipality, like a city-owned municipality trying to run a, uh, what in your mind was a USSR-like grocery store. Wow. Hey, reason guy, this thing is entirely uh republican yeah like like so what but i it's just man it's frustrating also 15 miles away but also that's we did we did on google maps i it's it's 40 minutes i mean it's just oh god i'm just it's frustrating yeah. It, it, again, it's it's just the Chicago brain people who don't actually think or consider rural like struggles, rural like concepts, like whatever rural 
Mm-hmm. Like, because it, it, it's two different dichotomies. You know, it's two different ways of living, but they don't actually think about it until it's in the framework of, well, how would this affect Chicago? You know, how would the city of a thousand people owning a grocery store affect Chicago? What does this mean for Chicago? And it's like, come on, guys. This, this means the survival of Erie or other small towns that can also implement this and learn a lesson from Erie, which yeah, we which will. Is, which is yeah, kind of yeah. the, the crux of this, yeah. So Erie is among a handful of cities across the U.S. that have taken over or started up grocery stores as a way to stave off decline and make it easier for residents to get access to fresh foods. All of them are small, but that could soon change. Last month, Chicago, a population 2.7 million, launched a study on the feasibility of opening municipally owned grocer to get more fresh foods and spur economic development in a number of mostly low-income neighborhoods. Chicago, which has lost six groceries on its south and west sides in the past two years alone, aims to take advantage of a new $20 million state fund designed to address what are known as food deserts across Illinois. Studies show the lack of access to fresh foods can have big impacts on health outcomes and rob neighborhoods and entire towns of economic vitality. The departing stores in Chicago have cited poor margins and crime among reasons they have pulled out, prompting the Chicago Tribune's editorial page to argue that the city won't have any better luck than savvy national retailers. Amaya Pawar, a former Chicago City Council member and now senior advisor at the Economic Security Project, a liberal nonprofit that supports things like a guaranteed income, says cities have long-run complicated businesses like airports, and just because private companies have given up on some parts of the city doesn't mean the city government should, too. Quote, communities and people in those communities deserve to survive and thrive. And, you know, that might mean accepting an operating loss for a grocery store, end quote, said Poar, whose group will be working with the city on the economic feasibility study, including a planned trip to places like Erie to see how things work. Quote, a grocery store is a high volume, low margin business. We understand that, but it isn't rocket science, end quote, Poar says. Yeah, I can't imagine the operating like a municipal transit system is much more difficult than operating a grocery store, having worked in a grocery store. Because mm-hmm. all it is is buying product, keeping track of what products sell and don't, and then selling product. And if your product isn't selling very high, just buy less of it. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's not, it, it really isn't rocket science. Yeah. A fully city-run store like the one in Erie is only one option the city will look at, said Umi Grigsby, Chicago Mayor Brandon Johnson's chief of policy. The city could also partner with local nonprofits or private grocers, and solutions look differently in parts of the city. Quote, the goal is for us how the city can fulfill unfulfilled promises in underserved neighborhoods, end quote, she said. In Erie, where grain processing is big business and a small park with metal sculptures of dinosaurs is the main attraction, the challenge turned out to be bigger than officials expected. Less than 10 miles away, the even smaller city of St. Paul, population of 600, has run a successful city-owned grocery for about 16 years. Yeah, hey. Wow, that, this wow, is an that's article good. the reason guy cited. It's incredible that he... He didn't mention it once. That there was a successful, profitable grocery store ran very close, but 10 miles away for 16 years. Yeah. And probably Erie got the idea from St. Paul. Not probably. It says yeah. it in this article, too. <laughs> so Rick Giefer, who was mayor when the grocery store opened in 2007, said the town hadn't had a grocery for 20 years and was facing threat of losing its high school. So once again, iterate, they didn't have a grocery store for 20 years. So when and it was ta- impacting the education of the uh, community. Yeah, so when we're talking about like education, like we are Mr. Reason article guy, they were about to lose their high school for their city. Think about that. There's not a private school. There's nothing like that. They all Every 
like student in the city goes to the same school. It's a small town. It's not like the free market's going to swoop in and start a fancy private owned like you know private school right there. But th- this is it for this town, you know. It's a completely different framework than you're operating in over there in Chicago, you know? This is for the survival of these small towns. Also, 20 years, since like 1985, they didn't have a grocery store. So once again, Mr. Like Libertarian Reason article guy, there was no competition. It's not like they're getting outcompeted. It's not like the city, you know, grocery store is having to compete with like Walmart or whatever. There is no other store in this city. 2007 was 16 years ago, though. Yeah. Oh, geez. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. Well, city leaders thought a grocery store would help keep the population in town, and they reasoned if they could sell water through a municipal entity, they could also sell food. Because, yeah, it's a municipality. They just. Yeah. I wonder what this uh, former mayor's uh, political party is. Hmm. I don't know, but I'm guessing it starts with an R. Yeah. I mean, I would. Maybe bet. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of guys named Richard Giefer in Kansas, apparently. You might want to put, like, St. Paul afterwards. Hmm. Parsons, Kansas, South Mound, Kansas. He might have died, actually. That's. I don't think that's the same guy, though. Yeah, that's not no. the same guy. Anyways, he's probably a Republican. Uh, if you aren't, please let us know. He's 42. Either way, I mean, most of the people in these towns probably are. Uh, So James Voorhees, who's run St. Paul's supermarket with his wife, Kelly, for about 10 years, says the business supports itself, including paying for new equipment. The city, he says, really doesn't have to do anything. They just oversee it. The high school remains partly because it was able to switch districts. Erie isn't there yet. When Erie took over its grocery store in 2021, things went fairly well for the first year, said Jamie Jansen, Erie's city clerk. The store made a profit for five of the first 12 months and lost only $18,000. That seems a bit different from what the reason article was saying. Yeah, wait a second, reason guy. You said it was only one month. That says five months. Did you? Well, that that was during 2022. That was only 2021, so we did shift the year. Yeah. Almost every month. But that's... (laughs) Okay, so you don't say the number, but then you do. It's just like, anyways. Uh, but some of the initial enthusiasm store enthusiasm for the store, which residents had supported in a poll, started to wane. And as COVID nineteen eased, more people started shopping again at the Walmart Parsons, about fifteen miles away. Erie Market lost one hundred thirty-two thousand dollars in twenty twenty-two, with only one profitable month. The store, across from a street from a Dollar General, also failed to capitalize on its fresh vegetables and meats, letting those sections start to look drab and some merchandise go out of date. Jansen said, "The losses have continued this year." Okay, wait. So the people voted for it, though. So yeah, people voted for it. COVID nineteen popped like ended kind of yeah and so they started to shop at walmart because they probably felt safe going to walmart again and Mm -hmm. you know walmart is different than going to the small town grocery store yeah but in july erie's market manager retired and jansen volunteered to take over she worked to beef up the freshness and presentation of the fruits vegetables and meats quote it makes such a big difference she said Next, she had staff deeply discount or toss older products on the shelves, leaving some looking bare, but giving customers more confidence in what they were buying. She started advertising discounted specials on Facebook, like a batch of ice cream she accidentally overordered in the summer, and hosted snack cakes such as lunchbox stuffers going into the fall. 
She worked around with her wholesaler to cut the margin on all 4,000 products in the store to around 15% from around 30% in August, hoping to boost revenue with more volume. After pulling customers for ideas, she added a salad bar. Quote, it's been a big hit, she said. As a city-owned municipality, she could just say, hey, we're your city grocery store. What do you guys want us to add? Because we're a city-owned grocery store. You guys vote on who runs it. She also plans to move the soda machine from behind the meat counter so customers can pour their own drinks, easing lines on busy days like Taco Tuesday. Quote, we're doing everything we can to bring people through the door, end quote, she said. Jansen said the goal is to narrow losses to under $100,000 this year out of the city's total budget of $6 million and keep improving from there. Meantime, meantime, customers like Lenore Roland, an 85-year-old retired local teacher, do their regular shopping at the store and go to the Walmart only for things like toilet paper. She stopped in recently for fresh meat, strawberries, a bag, salad, milk, a pumpkin, and vanilla ice cream, which she shares with her dog, Max. Quote, I think it could be very successful, she said. Right now, it's kind of a stocking problem, but it takes time. And that's yeah, I mean, it, it took, you know... Uh, St. Paul a while to be able to get it moving, but it eventually saved St. Paul. Mm-hmm. And like Lenora Roland, mm-hmm. she's an 85-year-old, so the guy in the Reason article would rather her drive 40 minutes round trip just to get like a bag of corn. or I don't know why I keep coming back to corn, to get like mm-hmm. some rice rather than just having a grocery store in his store because the free market failed Erie. There, you can't run a grocery store there. It's not profitable from the normal model, so they had to make their own like that that's the thing is this is an example of the free market the holes in it it doesn't work here so they had to do their own solution otherwise they would the, the city would die they, there wouldn't be any city anymore it's the same issue st paul was having they wouldn't have a high school kids would leave immediately like the, what's the reason of staying i gotta drive 40 minutes to go to the grocery store there's no schools for my kids now as part of our plan, because we had a lot to talk about on this one, uh, you can probably catch us on part two of this episode. But we'd like to thank you for listening. This has been the CleoCast. I've been Matt. I've been RC. And you can follow us on Twitter at CleoHistory. You can email us at CleoHistoryPodcast at gmail.com. And you can get us wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, hope you enjoyed it, and we'll see you uh, next week for part two. Thanks. Bye.